Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, welcome back, Northlanders. And we also want to welcome back Shelly Peterson, who has been with us a few times now. Shelly, if you remember right, is the uh, chief operating officer. Well, she's the president of Promoting Me. And it sounds like, well, that's kind of uh, egotistic, promoting me. No, it isn't. If you have a business, you better be promoting yourself. And and even if you do have a business and you do promote yourself, Shelly, you might just be the person that can help them promote their business even better than they thought they were capable of. Isn't that kind of the way this goes? It is, right? Because sometimes we have a hard time talking about ourselves and all the things that we're good at. And um, it's easier to be able to tell your story to somebody else and for somebody else to help you with that strategy and figure out, you know what, here's what your value proposition is. Here's what your pop-up pitch is. Here is what your strategy should be. And uh, it's easy for me to fly over at a 30,000-foot view and do that versus somebody else uh, trying to strategize that on their own. The other day when we talked, I, w- I wanted to ask you a question, but I wasn't sure about how to word it, but I've, I've thought about it a little bit. Is there a starting spot? In other words, if you if you go into a business for the first time and they've either invited you in or you cold call them and you, you think that you might be able to help them, is there some place where you start from? You know, usually I will do some research on my clients, right, before I go and have that either that cold call or to actually have that first conversation. So I have an idea of what I think their value proposition is or what they're trying to accomplish. But oftentimes we just start with what's the problem you're trying to solve? Is it get new employees? Is it, you know, uh, maintain my market share? It's my website's not performing. It's that, you know what, it's taking us too long to, you know, process paperwork on behalf of something we could automate. You know, that's really where it starts is just that type of conversation, which leads into additional strategy and comments. And then it's just like usually a light bulb comes on and it's like, oh, my gosh, why didn't I know you many years ago? Right. So, and yeah, no kidding. Before, it doesn't mean that it works today. Our marketplace has changed. Well, Shelly, I'm really glad to hear you talk about helping uh, helping a business find employees, because the more and more I read about that lately, that's become a huge effort around the country. Uh, people are sticking in their jobs longer. They are afraid to go out and look at new things. Uh, but you might have a, a competitor that has somebody that you could bring into your business that might uh, help you expand beyond belief. Right. Right. And oftentimes, you know, people are looking for those work from home positions, too. So how do they get to know what the culture of your company is or that person they're going to work with? So many of our applicants, before they ever even apply for a job within your organization, they look at you on LinkedIn. They look at look at what do you talk about? How active are you? Are your beliefs going to mirror their beliefs? Right. How active is your company? You know, are you on Facebook? Are you on you know, Instagram, do you do YouTube videos? Are you on TikTok? It's all relevant depending upon what market sector you're in. But if you do not have a strong presence and your personal brand of your leaders is not standing out, you're going to be lost in the noise of all other employers who are focusing on those things. I think there's probably a lot of people out there, Shelley, that really are afraid of new technologies like uh, digital business cards and things like that. But once you maybe school them a little bit, teach them. They might 
find a whole new way of approaching uh, customers. Absolutely. And once you have start to see some of the successes and you start to, you know, learn the stories of those that maybe we're where you're at starting today. And I love connecting my clients, not only so that they can do business together, but they can learn from each other as well. So that's where I think the magic happens. It's just not promoting me. It's all of those customers that we bring together of their success stories and of their stories. And heck, I've had businesses that have actually uh, started collaborative partnerships together and gone on to do bigger things. So that's what's really cool. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, we're talking to Shelly Peterson, who is the CEO of Promoting Me. I'm going to give you some contact information, but first, let me just tell you this. If you have a business or you even are thinking about getting into business, uh, you may need some help developing tools, practices that could help your business really develop and grow beyond your even belief pattern. Uh, Give her a call. Uh, The phone number to call is area code 218 three nine three six six seven zero that's area code two one eight three nine three six six seven zero or if you go on your computer just simply put in promote promoting me promoting me dot com and uh, you'll have contact information you can leave Shelley of a uh, little information about what you might be looking for as far as help and she'll get back to you and uh, might just be the answer to expanding beyond what you even thought was possible with your little business. Uh, Shelly, thank you so much for uh, the discussion today. I look forward to these little conversations. I'm finding out more and more about areas and ways that you might be able to help uh, uh, promote a business to help it grow and succeed. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Well, Kenny... A couple of highlights of things that are going on recently along the border. You might be real surprised at a couple of these. First of all, I think we all know that Al Sharpton is pretty much of a, what do I call him, Kenny? A lefty? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's it. Softball. I think he's, yeah, I think he's considered a lefty. Uh, Anyway, he hosts a show on MSNBC. And he came out Monday and with some information and discussion about the border that I'm sure when when President Joe Biden heard what he said, he probably cringed and pulled his head up inside of his tortoise shell. Anyway, here's what happened. Uh, MSNBC host Al Sharpton came under fire on Monday for his use of the word invasion to describe the ongoing border crisis which has sparked controversy amongst immigration advocates and the left. And see, you have to understand, that's what is driving a lot of the conversation in this country, is immigration advocates, groups that make their living off of helping immigrants get into this country, settle here. Sharpton, who was interviewing Democratic uh, uh, Senator Chris Murphy, on on the morning Joe about the Senate's newly unveiled immigration bill, expressed urgency and frustration over the influx of migrants at Americans at America's southern border. What is being done to get the public to really rise up in various states to say to their senators that they want to see the border issue resolved? Sharpton asked. I mean, 
We're getting immigrants beating up police officers in the streets of New York City. They're seeing an influx of migrants all over the country that, frankly, have people outraged. Now, you know that if Al Sharpton is saying things like that, Joe Biden's got to be wondering, am I making the wrong decisions here? Am I heading down the wrong road uh, to what's going on in this country? And then, to top it all off, then you've got a former Obama FBI official. This is a guy who worked for the Obama administration. His name is Tim Healy. He served as the director of the FBI's Terrorist Screening Center, director under President Barack Obama. He has come out on Monday, this past Monday, and said that, uh, because they asked him, he he did an interview on Fox, and Fox, of course, asked him straight out, are you concerned with the number of people that you are seeing being detained at the border that are listed on the terrorist watch list? And he came right out and said, you know what? He said, I, that, that's what used to keep me awake at night when I was doing my job with the Obama administration is the number of people that we would find coming across the border that were on the watch list. And he said, right now, those numbers are about 10 times what used to bother me and keep me up at night. In other words, about 10 times as many people that are on the terror watch list are coming through the border today as did under the term of Barack Obama. And he went on to say, Healy said, uh, look, if you take the past four years, fiscal year 17, 18, 19, and 20, you have had 14. So that caused us from my perspective, sleepless nights. When I was the director of terrorist screening, I had a program. I called it the gold program. And every day I was briefed on the encounters. And we averaged about 100 encounters a day. And I'd I'd have them highlight in gold the ones that were pending on the FBI watch list. He said, today that number is more like 336, at least three to four times what I used to worry about that would keep me up at night. So here you have an Obama administration FBI agent who took care of the terrorist watch list now saying that under the Biden administration, we got three to 10 times as many people coming across on that terrorist watch list. That is really, should be frightening. So Brad, this is story. this is yeah. an insidious threat to our country. Yes. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about it. When you see cases like we talked about this morning out of Wisconsin over there where a, a guy that came in illegal. Now, he wasn't on the terrorist watch list, but he shouldn't been in this country. He stole his way into the country and then he starts driving, drinking alcohol. Is that allowed in Mexico? Is that OK in Mexico? I don't know. Maybe it is. That's where he migrated from was Mexico. And and then he kills a father of three young girls. And somehow we're expected to accept that as as decent behavior. I don't think so. We shouldn't be accepting it. And then the other thing that's really important, Kenny, 
is the cost factor. There's a there's a report on Breitbart News this morning uh, about the latest form that came out of the UK, United Kingdom, Great Britain. The taxpayers over there have spent, have paid out 36 billion pounds. Now that, I don't know what that works out to. It's fairly close to $36 billion since 2020 to illegals, foreign foreign uh, people that come to Great Britain that do not work, that suck off the system. There's no other way to put it other than that. A report has found that British taxpayers have subsidized economically inactive migrants without jobs to the tune of $36 billion in the past three years. An analysis of the latest data from the Office of National Statistics, ONS, by the Center for Migration um, Migration Control Think Tank, has found that jobless migrants who entered the country legally, these are ones that entered legally, have received $23.7 billion in support from taxpayers since 2020. 724,000 migrants were living in the UK between the ages of 16 and 64, deemed to be economically inactive. See, that's uh, politically correct for not working, being sucking off the system. People not in employment who are not seeking work within the last four weeks, unable to start work over the next two weeks, has risen from 623,000 to 724,000. Despite long-standing promises from the conservative government in the UK to reduce migration to the tens of thousands, which senior officials have admitted were merely election rhetoric, and nothing, something the party has had any intention of fulfilling, These figures, Nigel Farge came out and said, these figures are staggering. If immigration is making us that much poorer, then real political change has to happen. We have to have a political change in this country that will stop the mass migration of people that come here for some economic panacea, but refuse to work to help pay for the system that supports them. Brad... This is full-scale systemic leadership failure. The president, yes. the vice president, remember, she's in charge of the uh, of the southern the border. border. <laughs> yeah. And even and Mayorkas. She's been there once. I think she you know, was there once. Mayorkas was impeached. Um, I don't know how far that's going to go. Cartels control the southern border, Brad. It's chaos. Oh, yeah. We can't have a we secure hear... nation without a secure border, and no, that's not can. occurring right now. This president... It's it's pathetic. What have we all heard over and over again? Good fences make good neighbors. I like right? it. How many times have we heard that? I like it a lot. Yep. How often have you heard this? We got to go to break. Oh, a couple times <laughs> from you. Okay, let's do it. KDAL time is 125, National Weather Service in Duluth. We've reached 40 degrees at the National Weather Service, Brad. So 40 away from Lake Superior, down by the harbor, well, at the Army Corps of Engineers, 
36 degrees, and again, that northeast wind uh, just keeps on a kicking. And uh, we got some white caps out there, but we're not going to complain. No, it's too nice to complain. Sunset I mean, tonight, by the way, nice. sunset tonight is 540, and that means civil twilight, that time after sunset, where it's still light enough to be outside without a flashlight. Uh, that will go up tonight until 611 p.m. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. When is it we go into spring where we where we spring forward the daylight savings time thing or are we going to throw that out the window hopefully this year? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, daylight savings 2024. Uh, let's take a look here. Uh, Sunday, March 10th. March 10th. Okay, so that's not very far away. All right. Well, listen. I got one more thing on the border here, and then I want to move along to a couple of local issues. Uh, and we're coming up on our CBS News here. Uh, we, by the way, uh, we have Nicole. I believe is that who is, is that? Where you're going to put your reading glasses on? Well, it says Nick. Nick is on the phone. <laughs> oh, Nick. Okay. I thought maybe you met Nicole. I'm not sure. Nick, I'm sorry. How are you? Really good. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Happy to continue sure. this conversation on immigration. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, we got a major problem here, and I think it's all by design. I think it's designed for, you know, future votes or, you know, illegal votes. But, you know, when you have 2 million illegal people coming here every year, you know, that adds up pretty quick in two, four, six, eight years not to counting the 2 million legal immigrants that come here. I mean, we're real legitimately in 10 years, we're going to have, you know, a lot of people coming here that might, uh, you know, vote for a certain way to create that permanent one party system. And you have talked about once before, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's exactly where I think we are heading, Nick, you know, look, I, I, I almost feel obligated to say, I'm not against immigration, legal immigration. I I know that our country was built on it than when our forefathers, my great-grandfather came here from Sweden, another one came from Ireland. But they came here legally. They came here because they were sponsored. They had jobs waiting for them. They immediately became part of the process of building America. Today, we're not seeing that, Nick. No, no, you know, and I'm all for legal immigration, too, you know, and, you know, but, yeah, two million a year is plenty. I think that's more than all all of the world combined, if you think about it. I was hoping that you'd let me plug my book. I have a new book that came out on Sunday. Oh, you did? Okay. I know you had one not too long ago, but now, now are you actually getting these things published through a publishing house? That's a good question. You know, I, I have a, what's called a, a vanity publisher, so I pay money for them to publish. So basically, they okay, publish for sure. me. I could probably self-publish on my own, but, you know, I'd rather have a professional do it to make sure it gets done right and everything. And, you know, but it's almost impossible to get through a real traditional publisher unless you're, you know, Stephen King or something like that. But it works. It gets my uh, books out there, and people are... Loving them. The reviews are amazing. This third book, it's called Devoid of Light. Um, it's on Amazon. And, uh, yeah, my website's nickcampanella.com. I'd really appreciate it if anybody might check it out. I know your uh, listeners might like my second book, Order from Chaos, better, but uh, this book is pretty intense. So what's it called again, Nick? Devoid of Light. It's about a... Devoid of Life. 
Okay. Devoid, devoid of light. Oh, okay. And it, it, what's the premise of the book? What's it about? Yeah, you know, it's about a, a, a revengeist, a serial killer, and the victims. But it, it, take, it starts off with a guy who finds his best friend's head in a box on his doorstep. Oh, not something <laughs> I'd want to find. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no. But it's a lot of fun, and I, I hope some of your listeners might uh, check it out. The Void of me, Life. Uh, the Void of Light. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll try to get that word out to people. Listen, I know how hard it is to get published. I've got a son who finally got his first book committed to. He signed a contract. He's got a publisher in New York and uh, doing all those things. But it's very, very difficult. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Anyway, uh, folks, we'll be right back after this. KDAL time is 139. Uh, we're warmer away from Lake Superior because of a pesky northeast wind, uh, but we have plenty of sunshine. Uh, we're 40 degrees over the hill, Brad. We're, what are we downtown? Uh, 37 degrees in Canal Park right now. And Brad, on the phone, I'm sure she wants to talk about the Daytona 500 race yesterday. It's NASCAR Nicole. Oh, man, wasn't that something, Nicole? What a race. <laughs> or, or should I say, what a crash. That too. <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, man. And then there was, there was. Did you see the one at lap six? And then there was one. There was the one no. In the beginning. Yeah, there was one in the beginning at lap six. Okay. Took out a whole bunch of okay. people. Okay. And then there was the the big one at the end. It was like. Wow. Yeah, that big one towards the end. I mean, I, I the cars were going every which way but straight. I mean, I was oh, I am, amazed. Goodness gracious! So. Yeah. So tell me about this William Byron that edged out Alex Bowman. I mean, just by yeah. the skin of his chinny, chin, chin, he won that yeah. race. Yeah, yeah, I know. Tell me about it because I'm an Alex Bowman fan. So, you know, I was not a little, I was not happy about that. But no, they are, they are teammates. And he is, um, they are both Hendrick Motorsports. So, oh, yeah. they are? Okay. Yeah. William Byron is, he, he's driving the iconic Jeff Gordon number 24 car. And um, that Jeff Gordon retired from. So now Hendrickson Motorsports had not won the Indy 500 in what a long, long time, huh? The Daytona 500 or Daytona? Yeah, not, I mean not, Daytona. Not, in, yeah, not in a long time, I believe. Um, there was, and William Byron was one of the drivers who had not never won the Daytona 500. So okay, had, and neither did Alex Bowman. Um, so yeah. And it was fitting because it was apparently the, I think, 40th anniversary of Hen of Hendrick Motorsports being formed. Okay. You know, so yeah, so it was like they had they had been formed 40 years ago yesterday, and so then uh, Hendrick wow. Motorsports driver won. So yeah. Now were both of these guys driving Chevys that uh, Bowman and Byron? Yeah. Yes, Hendrick okay. Hendrick uh, and. Um, Hendrick, all drivers drive Chevys, so for that. Okay. Well, and then I mean, I guess you could call them Chevy. They look vaguely like a Chevy, but they, <laughs> I'm sure they don't handle like a Chevy. It's supposed to be a Chevy, but yeah. They, yeah, um, there you go. They, yeah, because each team has their own, you know, manufacturer that they use, and Hendrick Motorsports has always been Chevrolet. So. Okay. So uh, yeah. what's happening over there at the Dahlberg Law Firm? Well, we're just plugging away being 
busy here. Chris is on a probate hearing, and he's got another hearing this afternoon. And then we've had a couple of new clients from estate plans today. And we've got Good. got a bunch of new estate plans coming up tomorrow. So it's it's been very busy. So we're having... Well, we like to hear um, that. And, and of course, Nicole, of course, is, is the contact person that you will maybe first run into when you get a hold of the Dahlberg Law Firm. If you are... <clears throat> one of those people yet that have not put a will together or have not uh, taken care of that to make sure that your family is uh, set up no matter what happens in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, she might be the person that will start to put the initial in in uh, in yeah. a list of uh, information together for you. And Nicole, why don't you explain to people how you go about doing that and how they can contact you if they're interested? Sure. All you have to do is call our office at 218-722-5809, 218-722-5809 for Minnesota or Wisconsin. We can do that for you. And then we will take down your general information, and then we will start the process by just asking you, you know, the basic questions about your estate so that Chris has an initial idea when he meets with you, and then he'll go more in-depth with you during the meeting. Um, and then you okay. just come in. And we you know, we don't ask you to bring in a whole lot of items. We only ask for a couple of things up front when you come in. We want to make it as easy as possible for our clients. And then if we need something later on, then we let you know. So it's Fantastic. a pretty simple process. Again, the number is 218-722-5809, 218-722-5809, and that is for Minnesota and Wisconsin estate planning. Very good. All right. Thank All right. you, Nicole. Thank Appreciate you. that very much. Kenny, a lot of high school hockey in the Northland tonight. Yeah, it's Tuesday night. Tuesday night, playoff night. Uh, You know, the girls are all set for this big tournament this weekend. In fact, uh, I see the Mirage, that's a combination of Hermantown and Proctor, are going to play War Road in the final game on Friday night, I think. That's going to be a huge game, I believe. You know, I'm really glad you mentioned this, Brad, because somebody sent me a text and asked if the girls' tournament is on radio or TV. I don't know of any radio coverage, but I'm pretty no, sure it's... that WDIO, uh, ABC, our, AB, uh, our ABC affiliate, don't they carry it on their substation? I believe they do. I believe you can find it someplace on your TV dial. I'm not sure exactly how, but... But, yes, I believe they do carry it. And I know the boys' tournament, of course, is a huge draw all over the state. So now let me just run through real quick uh, what's going on tonight because you, there's going to be some incredible games. First of all, in in single A, uh, you're going to have International Falls at Hermantown. You're going to have North Shore. Now, I'm not sure what North Shore is. That must be a... a put together a couple of schools or something, but North Shore is going to play Proctor, and Greenway is going to be at Hibbing Chisholm. And then Ely is going to be at Cloquet Esco Carlton. That's all in the 7A uh, boys prep hockey. And then, then, of course, we get to the 7AA, and you're going to have tonight Duluth-Denfeld at Duluth East. Oh, <laughs> uh, come on, hunters! <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to offend everybody on the east side of town. But oh, you went to Denfeld. Nice. That's your alma mater. That's right. Yeah, 
Rah, 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 sis, boom, ba, go, hunters, go, and I don't know. And then then you've got Cambridge Isanti at Grand Rapids. You've got Forest Lake at Rock Ridge. And then Duluth Marshall at Andover. So going to be a lot of... A lot of happy people and a lot of sad people after tonight's game as they work down. Because I think it's next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend that the boys' tournament is. So all this has got to happen fairly fast. Anyway, moving right along. Hey, how we doing? Yeah, we're doing okay. Do we have to uh, do, let you know what? Let's do our Minnesota news break. And then I'd like to come back and talk for a while about the uh, the makeup of the old central high school you know i did you ever go to old central or did you always go to the new one well i i did go to the old one it's kind of a weird story when i was in the ninth grade at washington in 1971 um okay they vacated old well they vacated historic central to move up over the hill so it was vacant Washington was busting at the seams, so they moved some classes over to Central, so that's how I got there. But no, I never went there as a 10th, 11th, or 12th grader, no. Okay. Which really bothers me. uh, I wanted to go to that school. I ended up going to that school over the hill that leaked, and it was just far away for me to get to, and ugh. They had lots of construction problems up there. They were trying to make it modular and where you could move walls and make rooms bigger. It didn't really function that well. But I spent a lot of time in the old Central because that was uh, where the Board of Education was housed. And we used to meet the superintendent up there all the time. And we had our board meetings, our our different committee meetings, everything there in the uh, in the boardroom at the Central Administration. So it was a huge time. But I've got some information on the the way the building is structured now and how it's come out. And we'll talk about that when we come back after uh, Minnesota News. KDAL time is 153. Sunshine 40 at the National Weather Service in Duluth near Lake Superior down at Canal Park with a northeast wind at about 6-7 miles an hour, 37 degrees. But Brad, how about 48 in Solon Springs? Oh, gotta love that. How about 48? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, 48 in Moose Lake. Ooh, nice. And uh, let's check one more here. Let's go up to uh, Eveleth, 46 degrees. And real quickly, I was curious. I thought the North Shore hockey team was Silver Bay, and they're based in Silver Bay. The North Shore Storm, based in Silver Bay. There were cooperative of sorts with uh, programs in Two Harbors and Silver Bay and are under the umbrella of Silver Bay, the Silver Bay Blue Line Club. Oh, okay. So they're a kind of a merged program. Two Harbors and Silver Bay is what I'm reading. The North Shore Jeez. Storm. Go Storm! Interesting. Okay. Oh, and I got a call well, from anyway. Bernie. Bernie just wanted to remind me uh, that 75 was the best year. Class of 75. 75 was what? Class of 75. It was the best year, Brad. For, of what school? Central. <laughs> Aren't you paying attention? Okay, 75. <laughs> well, I thought 65 was the best in Genfeld. The thing with 57, the thing with 75, rather, is that if you reverse that 75, you got 57. That is the year that the class of 75 was born. 
1957. Oh, jeez. We're special. <laughs> You're getting into mathematics. We're special. <laughs> yeah. You're special, all right. <laughs> anyway, here's the, here's the deal about historic Central High School, which it, which it is now. It's been put on the registry, uh, registry of Historic Places, but it has now been converted into a 122 mixed residential apartment units that are open to tenants in January under the name of Zenith DCHS. Zenith DCHS. Now, um, how are these uh, how are these going to be set up? I mean, what's uh, what's the deal? Are there low income? No, these are most of them are going to be market market driven. Although, because of the fact that they uh, did get some money from TIF from Minnesota TIF District Tax Income and Financing District, they have had to put a certain number of units aside, uh, which I believe works out to about ten. Let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, 10%. The, during the TIF period, the city requires 10% of the units to remain within 60% of the area's medium income. It works out to about 13 units out of the 122, and they will be uh, <clears throat> moved around the building. In other words, they're not all going to be located just in one spot. The rents on these units. Are you interested in this at all, Kenny? What the rent? Oh, I've heard some of them. Give us the rent of a studio apartment. Okay. A studio apartment will cost you a measly 900 bucks a month. Uh, I think it's nine ninety nine, if I'm not mistaken, Brad. Is it really? I think that's what they have been reporting. And what is a studio apartment? Well, it's just a basically a one room that's got a cooking area, a sleeping one room, area, Brad. one <laughs> yeah. little cube, nine hundred ninety nine bucks. Now, if you want to go big time, Kenny, you can go and get the three bedroom penthouse at the uh, old Central High School. That'll cost you a merely five thousand four hundred a month. You know, I hope this isn't people that are just here for the summer months and then they vacate it and are gone. That stuff bugs me. Well, they say uh, they say in this story this morning in the Duluth News Tribune that according to Saturday's property that owns the, the building, half of the rental uh, applicants are from outside the Duluth area. Well, there you go. Yeah, largely uh, relocating either to work for employers like Essentia or Cirrus Aircraft. Currently, about 50% of the units have been leased. Occupancy is at 26% currently. And starting in the spring, they're going to do public tours uh, to be offered uh, per month, uh, once per month to share more of the building's history. But it's kind of interesting because they, of the units, they say they're going to have... Uh, uh, several of the common spaces for residents are going to include front front porch. I don't know what that means. Is there, is there such a place at Central called the front porch? Pent a uh, penthouse lounge clubhouse, Superior Lake Superior lounge, gallery hall, and the dean's office poker room. <laughs> dean's office poker room. So they're going to have in uh, in the backyard. They're going to have pickleball courts and golf simulator. It's going to be quite a project. Anyway, we'll be back at it tomorrow. Let's hope tomorrow morning we can talk about another wild victory.